0: Hi, my name is Paul Malin. Welcome to the Life and Death of a Tax Investigation. Throughout this series of podcasts, we will consider the beginning, the middle, and the end of a tax investigation. During the Life and Death of a Tax Investigation, we'll cover topics such as answering the initial challenge by HMRC, how to work out penalties, and then how to make a disclosure to HMRC. You can contact me for further clarification Either on 07979 010 or my email address paul at pmc.tax. Thank you for listening. In this podcast, I'd like to consider the background research and the initial preparation. Or whenever I have a new client. People often ask me well how do you represent a client that's knocked on your door, you've invited them in for a meeting or whatever. The key part here is to identify all the relevant facts. Often a business person particularly is very proud of what they've achieved and if you ask them to talk about their business they're normally quite easy and ready to do so. Whereas an individual, they, they don't know where to start. Sometimes it is necessary to have a short life history of, of the journey a taxpayer has taken to get to the position of it today, because that way I can understand what the relevant facts may indeed be. Depending on the type of investigation, depends on what the relevant facts are. What we don't want to do, this is the royal way of myself and my client, is to if you like waffle and go on about matters that are totally irrelevant to the matter in hand it may be fascinating to listen to it may be enjoyable it may be horrible whatever else it may be but is it relevant so determining what the relevant facts depends on what the matter in hand is normally when i meet a client for the first time we have the situation, the irregularity, already identified. So for example, it's undeclared income. What isn't automatically identified is, well, whose income is it? Which taxpayer? Is it, for example, rental income from a property that's been rented out? Is that rental income uh, shared between one or two people? Is it shared on a 50-50 basis or some other basis? How many years to go back? All of these relevant facts will impact on the final outcome. HMRC don't tend to judge a taxpayer. In other words, differentiate between a taxpayer that's got an irregularity in the last year compared to they have committed irregularities for the past 20 years. But there is certainly a bias to say that, well, in all that time of 20 years, did the taxpayer not realise that there was this irregularity happening all the time? The fact that an irregularity may have been innocent, may have been done simply by mistake, if it's gone uncorrected for a long period, HMRC can start to have the view of the matter being deliberate if you recall in another separate podcast we've discovered, sorry, we have discussed penalties and the difference between something that's been done deliberately and something that's been done carelessly for example. So back to the relevant facts. It does depend upon how many years a matter has gone on because the more recent the matter, the more likely we are to get documentation. So, for example, if it's undeclared property income, that property income may be put into somebody's bank account. We may be able to go back to the bank and get copied bank statements for, let's say, three years, five years, ten years or whatever. The further you go back, the less likely it is though, you're going to have all that information. Particularly if there is information that is vital, in the example of the property rental income, we may need to go back to a solicitor and we may need to find the completion statement on how and when the property was purchased. The further you go back the less likely it is that whoever has been asked for that information will have the relevant documentation. HMRC will take on board what they term hearsay, in other words the recollection of what's gone on, but there is nothing better than documentation to prove what has gone on. So if it is a case that you've got bank statements perhaps for the last five years, and then there's a gap of two years, and you've got more statements for another five years, then it is a good idea to disclose all the bank statements, including the accepting that there's a gap, if it is relevant, still relevant to the disclosure. I do have concerns where people want to tell HMRC anything and everything, because it's quite natural that the more you're given to look at, the more you'll read, and the more you might question even more. So we need to make sure that we, we stick to the point. If we're talking about property rental income and there is no other regularity, then I see no relevance in talking about the employment history of a taxpayer. Time is money, I charge my clients fees, if I have to sit through an hour's talk about somebody's employment history and it's not relevant, my client will be charged for that. So it's down to me, as soon as we wander off the subject so to speak, to bring HMRC back on board and say, no, we want to talk to you about property income. A lot of people say, well, surely all the facts are relevant. Well, for the very reason I've just said, they're not. That They are filling the gaps, and some people are bored in such a way that they don't like the sound of silence. So imagine, if you will, you're in a meeting, there's one or two people from HMRC, there's myself and my taxpayer, and there's a, a, a period of silence. There are some people that just don't like silence and they feel they've got to say something, even if it's not relevant, for the very reason I've just said, that it's dangerous just to talk about something that's not even relevant, because you'll be asked further questions. If there is a tax irregularity however, then yes it needs to be talked about, but as I said before, time is money. An adage to say that if you fail to prepare, then prepare to fail. So, when you're researching all these facts for the purpose of a report or for a meeting or whatever, make sure you do your preparation. I'm saying this from the point of view of the taxpayer, which is also applicable for the agent as well. There's nothing worse than the agent going into battle, shall we say, and have a list of wrong questions to follow because they are then just as guilty as the taxpayer of meandering and waffling and not sticking to all the relevant facts. There are times though that you need to allow a taxpayer to speak freely, honestly, openly about the matter and in a meeting I sometimes have to sit there and just listen. What I have to make sure is that for example if HMRC ask a question Well, even if I'm not, I don't know, um, a brain surgeon, and that's what my uh, client's profession is, I need to ensure that the question that HMRC are asking is also relevant, that the question is phrased correctly. So for example, are they asking about a particular year? If so, which year? Because the matter can be explained differently if it happened last year when everything was uh, correct as opposed to say 10 years ago when the irregularity may have occurred. So I have to monitor firstly how the question has been posed by HMRC. I then have to consider well what is my client's answer? Are they being precise as well? Are they saying for example what year it relates to, who was involved, what happened or do I need to prompt them and just make sure that The relevant facts they're offering now are for the matter in hand. Most of my meetings, I do have to start off with a blank sheet of paper because I cannot necessarily prejudge what is going to be relevant and what is not relevant. What is relevant to one person may not be relevant to another person, so I have to keep an open mind. In terms of going back for a number of years, As much as you may get some sort of um, uh, poor recollection of the facts, we need to make sure that HMRC's file also have the right facts. So for example, if there is a a meeting at which people are providing a, a verbal explanation, there will be a note of that meeting. And that note of meeting needs to be checked because in a room full of three or four people, there can almost be three or four different understandings of what's just been said. And what we want to make sure is that what has been recorded has been said is factually correct and is interpreted in the correct way as well to keep things relevant. If there are any queries that you want to ask me about, researching and preparation, by all means give me a call. If you've got any questions you want to ask me, my telephone number is 07979 313010 or contact me by email at paul at pmc.tax. Thank you for listening.